Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hoop Heads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards with Matt Collier and Marlon Guild, and our other two team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind and Nuck if you buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back with me today, Dan Galinsky, Amaduso from King James Gospel. What's up, guys? Just living, man. You know, taking a day by day in this quarantine. I feel that. So uh, before we get into the meat of today's episode, we got to talk about Ante Zizic putting up in his first preseason game with Maccabee Tel Aviv, 20 points and 12 rebounds in a 77-74 victory. Got to love Ante. Can't, can't, can't root against him. Love seeing him do well, even if it's not with the Cavs. So had to bring that up. And we've also seen the mini camp starting up here. Uh, we haven't really seen a whole lot. It is at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse right now. It's just the one-on-o workouts, but it's still been nice to see on uh, the Cavs Twitter today that some of the players, well, all, pretty much all the players except for the ones that we've noted, are going to be in there, and they, they have been in there getting work in. So actual practices start up next week, but um, as of right now, it's just good to see literally anything coming from the Cavs. So we'll get into what we're doing today. The Athletic, Kelsey Russo, put out an article talking about 10 bold and not-so-bold takes predictions for the Cavaliers this season. We'll start with number one. Andre Drummond picks up his player option. Does anybody have a take against that? Um, I think that's... Uh, I see that happening. I think that's a pretty normal take. I wouldn't really say that's bold. Um, you know, that's something that's been talked about for the Cavs for... Months now, there was a little interview where I guess you could say Drummond kind of changed his stance on him coming back. But all in all, I think he'll pick up his option. Yeah, it was with uh, I think it was like with FUBU TV's um, Julie Stewart Banks or something like that. Yeah, he he basically kind of Damerol kind of uh, wrote about that briefly that he pretty much said that he's a free agent. He kind of walked back on it a little bit, but all the reports say that he's highly likely to opt in. I just don't know why he wouldn't at this point. Yeah, that was one of the more not bold takes of the 10. Second one, you could get into a little bit of discussion. It's something that we actually just discussed last episode. The Cavs will re-sign Tristan Thompson using his bird rights. Again, that's one that we've kind of already gone over, I think. None of us would be surprised if that happens, but We've also brought up each of us our own targets that we'd like to see them go after instead of him. So we'll just move on to number three. Dylan Windler breaks into the starting lineup. Dan, we'll start with you. Do you think this is something that happens? When do you think it happens? And who do you think he starts over? Um, I don't. I think it's a fair take. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'd predict it right now, but it's it's definitely one that I, I would be a fan of. Maybe. I could say maybe, maybe like twenty games in around there. Um, I, I think just we've touched on Winler, what he could bring. 
and he's apparently feeling good. So, I mean, just with his ability to shoot the ball, it, it honestly, like, so many different ways. Um, and, and frankly, I think he's a much more talented finisher than Jetty Osmond has, has a really nice push shot to um, finishes with both hands. He's, he's kind of awkward to get awkward guy to guard. And I just think his, he has a much higher ceiling on ball than Jetty. So um, I, I don't think that's really bold, but well, I, I wouldn't bet on it for the year. Cause I honestly think the Cavs will eventually, I would think that they, there's a good possibility they go with a wing and I'd think they probably would break in earlier, but um, again, I, I see exactly where she's coming from, especially if the Cavs eventually went with a big. Amadou, thoughts? Um, well, I think Dale, I mean, excuse me, Dan, uh, kind of hit um, all the points on the, on the nail. Um, again, as you just said, it's dependent on who the Cavs take this year's draft, if they do go wing, which I believe they will. And free agency also plays a part. Personally, I feel like this is very bold, just considering that even though Dylan is doing fine now, um, he took an entire year off his first Technical NBA season, I guess you could say. Um, so it's kind of going to take him some time to ease him into the NBA. Uh, 20 games or so, I don't know. Maybe after the uh, trade deadline, if they do make some moves, we could see. But yeah, I think this is pretty bold. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he was inserted into the starting lineup, say, after the trade deadline. But personally, I don't really see it happening. I'm kind of more along the lines of you there, Amadou. I think... If it were to happen, it would be more along the the halfway point of the season range more than the early portion. I think that Dylan Windler will come around and be a good player in his rookie year. I think at the same time, though, that just the fact that he hasn't played any NBA basketball, he could come out to a slow start, which that just makes me think alone that he won't earn that starting role right away. And that's another thing. Well, actually... We'll jump down to number eight on the list just because it kind of goes with this one. Number eight's bold prediction or bold take or not so bold take is that if the Cavs choose a wing, he will start 25 games for the Cavs. Now, this one I think is interesting because is this going to be as a injury replacement or is this going to be... Again, like near the end of the season, they starting. If that's so, is that alongside Windler? This one just the, these two kind of seem to overlap a little bit, and I think unless injuries happen, I, I definitely think that again, Windler could be a starter halfway point in the season, or halfway at, at around the halfway point in the season. But I just think he'll get off to a little bit of a slow start, which is understandable. But Dan, if the Cavaliers choose a wing. Will he start 25 games or more? You know, I, I guess I, I would say I'm not – I wouldn't bet on Windler starting. I mean, I, this seems more feasible. Um, but I, I'm, I just – I wouldn't be surprised if Windler did just because of his skill set. But, yeah, I think if they went with the three that she mentioned and kind of the consensus three, it would seem, for their spot in Abdia, Okora, or Vassell – I just think Amadou wrote a, a great piece on uh, highlighting Vassell, what he could do for the Cavs, kind of as this, that seamless fit guy, um, 3 and D type. And each three guys, I mean, we've kind of touched on this a fair amount, how how I, I think each of them honestly would be a defensive upgrade over Jetty. And I just think for the each of them, I, I think, has their own strengths and weaknesses on ball. And the problem with, with it uh, – 
with Jetty is just because he's the handle is, has not progressed much, has trouble beating guys off the bounce, and, and I just think these three guys could bring more of that element. And two of the three honestly have have promising pull up shooting ability, uh, or at least potential, you would think. And Jetty has been a little, is pretty limited in that area, so I, I don't think this is bull at all. Really, this one isn't. Amadou, well, <clears throat> for two of the three. I could kind of see it as bold, uh, specifically for Isaac Okoro and Dini Avdia. I feel like those two will probably take a little more time to get accustomed to the Cavs and, you know, to the NBA. But for Devin Vassell, I don't see this as bold as, uh, at all. I mean, if they take him with the fifth overall pick, I would expect him to start right away just because, as I did write in that article, he does seem like a seamless fit as he can hit that, um, the three shot and defend, you know, the modern day Durandy guy that the Cavs have been looking for. But, um, Again, just as you touched on, you know, if it was to be for the other two guys, Dini and Isaac, um, I think it'll be for injuries or maybe an after uh, the trade deadline type of move, depending on how they progress. So I'll say for the first two, Dini and Isaac, it's bold. But for Devin Vassell, I don't think it's bold at all. You were saying that you think he could start right right away. You think that Devin Vassell would be a day one starter over Jetty? Yes, I do believe that. I think that you can make an argument for that. Again, I think you have to see – maybe not – I won't take day one just considering, you know, we didn't start yeah, sexting okay, day yeah. one. We did with Garland. But I think that any three of those guys personally would have a real shot if they come out and play well to do it early on. But assuming that let's say that they do start early on over Jetty, whoever that wing is, we'll jump to number five here now. Darius Garland will have a bounce-back season and excel at the point guard position. Dan, we'll start with you. Do you see a big jump coming from Darius, or do you think that, say, one of those rookie wings comes in and starts right away? Is there a chance that we see Darius struggle and Dylan Windler slide into that two spot? I think I'm kind of in in the minority at this point and thinking that I think there's a good possibility Garland has, has a big year. Yeah. Um, I, I just think in a way this prolonged off season period probably has been the best thing for him right now. And I, I just think we saw it more leading into the hiatus um, before he missed the last five games. I think it was like a groin strain, but the playmaking is there. I, I like he averaged, it wasn't like exceptional, but in the 2020 portion of the schedule, I believe it was 26 games. He had 5.1 assists and 2.6 uh, turnovers. And honestly, there were a lot of assists last season where Garland, I, I mean, you could make the case for Sexton a little bit. It probably had some, uh, a fair amount of kind of assists that should that worth that should have been um, given the lack of spacing. I just think with a guy like Windler in there, I think a more capable kind of secondary playmaking type at the wing than or at the three spot than Jetty. I think we'll see Garland more as like a relocation shooter this year. And I just think he's he's due for a big year. And now that he's fully healthy or at least reportedly, um I, I think he's I, I think I'm all with Kelsey on this one. I mean Excel is kind of a kind of a subjective thing. Honestly that's a little bit much, but I, I don't see uh, him ha- I think like if he has 14 and a half points and say five assists a game, which I don't think is outrageous, 
and is much more efficient as a shooter. As he kind of was leading into the hiatus in that like 15 to 20 game span. It, we saw more of the pull up shooting. And I, I think Garland really is, is in for a bounce back year. Yeah, that's just my opinion. I'm going to go to you. Um, I agree with Dan here. I feel like I could definitely see him, again, subjective, uh, excel at the point guard and bounce back. But some some just points I want to touch on. Garland only played five games in college, and he's he was coming off a meniscus injury. Didn't really get to work on his game in the offseason. He didn't play in the summer league. Um, started to play over in preseason. And rather than ease him in, the Cavs decided to, you know, just throw him in the Wolves, throw him right into the starting lineup, ask him to play 30 minutes a game. So I guess that's the point that I want to add. This offseason, I've seen a lot of videos of um, Garland, you know, working out, uh, having runs in Nashville. He was working out with Chris Johnson, who's a notable um, shooting guy. Uh, same guy that Tristan Thompson has been working with. I do expect him to have a bounce back year. Now, it's dependent on what you expect to be a bounce back year. If he can average anywhere between 14 to 16 points, around five assists, and again, like Dan said, improve on his shooting, I feel like that's definitely a great year for Garland. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Amadou. I think it, that that's the type of season that I think we should hope to see out of Darius. I think you know, that, that would get him right back on track. I don't know if – I'm, I'm kind of with you guys on this again. I don't know if Excel at point guard is you – know, what exactly do you mean by that? I guess you can make an argument. But I definitely do see a big bounce back here. I think he'll be the starting point guard all year unless – the Cavaliers draft a point guard, and that's a whole other conversation to have, and I don't think it'll happen in the first place, so we can just ignore that. We will go on to number four now. I think we're, we're bouncing around a little bit here, but we'll try to go in order. The Cavaliers won't have the worst defensive rating for the third consecutive season. I think adding a wing defender will help if this is something that they can do in the draft, and I think looking around at the Timberwolves, Hawks, Wizards, Knicks. I think that this is definitely another one of those takes that won't be too bold. I definitely don't expect them to be... I don't expect them to be a good defensive team, but I don't think they'll be the worst next year. Yeah, I... I, Again, this is bold and not so bold, I guess, is kind of the in quotes deal there. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think that's really a hard to disagree with. I, I just think eventually they'll figure it out a little bit more. And though there's going to be matchups probably where Andre Drummond is played off the floor. I, I, I mean, assuming he opts in, I would think that he'll, they'll get him more in the, uh, in lockstep on that end. And, and the last couple games before the hiatus, I think he, he was starting to figure that out more and there will still be matchups where he's playing a good amount of minutes against traditional centers still, you would think where he can kind of drop a little bit, a little bit more than some other matchups. So, yeah, I think I mean he is a, he has good team defensive instincts too. But yeah, as you said, if they get that wing, um, such as an Orkora or Vassell, I, I that can't hurt. You wouldn't think. I understand they're rookies, but these these guys know how to play on that end, and they're they're in that on their perimeter. You would think at least they'll they they can't be worse than Jetty's been, and. Uh, in addition to that, if the Cavs don't go wing um, in the draft, I think a guy that really could help them in a, a number of ways when he's out there. I don't know how many minutes he will be, but um, Anyeka Okongwu couldn't hurt there. He's just such a heady defender and can kind of is one of those guys that has good feel for switching and dropping 
um, kind of almost simultaneously in a way. And I just think he would do wonders for them there as well. But um, even a guy like Josh Jackson in free agency, if they don't go wing in the draft, could could help in some respects there too. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Now, drafting Obi Toppin would make this a conversation again. Yeah, I'm not was, sure. That's fair. I'm not sure which starting five would be worse as far as defense goes. Sexton, Garland, whoever you put it at three, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond with Obi Toppin off the bench, or Minnesota with D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, whoever they throw in there, Anthony Edwards maybe, and then Carl Anthony Towns and whoever they put at the four spot. I'm not sure which team would be worse there. Even in that situation, though, I think the Wolves are going to be really, really bad on defense this season. I think there's other teams that are also going to be really bad. Amadou, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I agree with um, what both you guys said. Uh, I feel like this is kind of dependent on a lot of things. Uh, like the teams you named, the Wizards, if John Wall returns back to that defensive I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say elite defensively, but he well, he did make an all defensive team um, about five years ago. The Hawks. What does Clint Capella do for them? How much does DeAndre Hunter and uh, Cam Reddish improve? Also, who they take with their pick? And the Knicks. Uh, you know they're a pretty veteran riddled team. I would say. You know Taj Gibson, um, Franny Clean is a good defender. Alfred Payne. All those guys. Um, for us, I think if we do resign Tristan Thompson. And then take a defensive-minded wing, whether it be Okoro or Vassell. I definitely don't see us being the worst defensive team in the league. But, again, I mean, injuries could happen. Um, maybe the team does not mesh well. Maybe they don't improve as much as we expect them to. I don't know. It's a lot of variables. To say that we won't be the worst defensive-rated team, I wouldn't say that's obviously not bold. I mean, of course, you know, a lot of things can happen. Um so, yeah, I'll go with not bold on that one. Agreed. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. We'll go on to number six, the sixth take now. The Cavaliers will not lead the league in turnovers. They had 16.5 turnovers per game last year, a 1.4 assist to turnover ratio, um, this is another one that I don't think is terribly bold. Again, I think the Cavs will be one of the higher turnover teams in the league next year, just with two young guards. I think you're going to get that. And even with that, I do expect progress from the young guards, and especially if, if Matthew Delvadova is brought back or another similar veteran backup point guard who can fill in that similar role. I'm not sure which guy I'm really thinking of as far as somebody other than Delhi, but... I don't think it's another – again, this is another one of those predictions that I don't think is too terribly bold. I think that we definitely could see this team not lead the league in turnovers. Um, we'll start with you on this one. Um, I agree with you. Of course, you do have those that young backcourt tandem. So, of course, you know, they'll probably be prone to turning the ball over. But 
in the second half of the season or in the new year, Colin Sexton, he's made massive strides as a passer. Darius Garland, we see he's made massive strides as a passer. Um, I, I think we may be last in turnovers again, just because of those, you know, young backcourt. And they are playing the most minutes um, at the point guard and shooting our position. At least I predict them too. Um, again, I wouldn't see this as bold. Of course, anything can happen. But personally, I expect them to probably be last in the league in turnovers once again. Uh, honestly, I'm actually kind of with Amadou on this one too. Um, just because I think the key though is is not the turnovers. It's like the live ball turnovers. and But we saw them not, not nearly as catastrophic generally and kind of leading into the hiatus. But um, I, I just think, yeah, there will be turnovers, but I, I think a lot of it will have to do with um, them kind of experimenting with kind of KPJ at the one. I, I think, honestly, that will be a fair amount this year. And Larry Nance at the three, I mean, he's a, he's a good decision maker, but um, I, I think Bickerstaff is going to want to have them try to play faster now, um, kind of as the games go. And with Windler in the fold, I, I, there will probably be some turnovers um, throughout games that – I mean, our head scratchers, yeah, but uh, I think the transition defense is the key. Can they just kind of not have them be as nearly as catastrophic live ball turnovers? But turnovers are, uh, I mean, good teams have had them. I mean, the Warriors back when, I'm not comparing us to them, but they they would routinely lead the league in turnovers. It's it's not really, I'm not going to read too much into turnovers for a young team. You want to see them growing. and, And honestly, if, I can live with turnovers as the season progressed with like Colin and um, Darius, more so Colin. If they're trying to make the extra pass, which is a better basketball play, more sustainable offense, uh, which I think Bakerstaff will try to push. Um, I I think that's fine. And again, I mean, as Amadou said, you you never know what can happen. Injuries, yada, yada. But uh, I'm with him too. I think they, that's probably a good possibility there, but We'll see. Um, just the key is can can they kind of not have them kill them as much in 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 secondary transition. And that's and that's a good point. Especially I was thinking of KPJ while you're talking about that too. Yeah, with with him getting a an increased role, having the ball in his hands a little bit more. Again, we could see him play point guard some this year. I definitely think that that's a spot where we see a lot of turnovers. And I'm not like you said, that's not a terrible thing. I think. Overall, that'll be really good for him, but it will be a learning experience, so a lot of turnovers could come from that. Andre Drummond is another one of those players, too, where especially... Yeah, he has a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, with with the Cavs, you know, we saw him just kind of try to, I guess, freelance a little bit and just do more with the ball and bring the ball up the floor and try to make, you know, a special pass, and I just think that could lead to a lot of mistakes as well, so... I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by my take and say that they don't lead the league in turnovers. But the more I think about it, I definitely see it being a real possibility. So we'll move on to take number seven. We another one that we've kind of talked about a little bit. Larry Nance Jr. will see more time with the small forward. Amadou, I know me and Dan have talked about this, but um, what are, what are your thoughts on Larry Nance playing the three? I mean, yeah, Larry Nance is only six seven. Um, he has improved his three-point shot, so I think we're going to keep this one a little short. I feel like that this is definitely a possibility. Um, again, depending on what happens with Jetty Osman, does you know Dylan Windler come in and you know play at the backup three or even a starting three? 
The two, we have no idea. I think the defense that he brings and that big lineup that we ran, it was very productive for us. I expect them to run that more. So, yeah, I feel like this is not bold at all. I feel like this is definitely something we'll see um, next season. Yeah, I, I think more the discussion is not will we see it, but how much will we see it. And I think that a lot of that will vary on how successful is it when we run it in the beginning of the year. It's definitely something that I think, you know, it, it worked too well at the end, at the end of last season. I don't think that there's any way that we don't see them at least try it again this year. Dan, any thoughts to add to that? Yeah, I mean, if shouldn't have, I would think why not? Um, I mean, just depending on the matchups, there should be some instances where where it makes sense. And and frankly, I think we'll see Windler a fair amount of the two uh, as well, um, just to kind of get him on the floor and acclimated. So. Um, it, which it could probably allow him to kind of play make a little bit more and pick and roll. I think him and Nance could – I think this year it would be good for the Cavs to see if Nance can be kind of that – kind of a pick-and-pop threat as well um, with with KPJ and Windler and or Garland. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see why it's it, – it's very reasonable take. I think that's – again, the title kind of implied it with bold or not-so-bold takes, but a lot of these I think are – even if we don't agree with all of them, they're all reasonable takes. But we'll go on to number nine, prediction number nine. Colin Sexton will improve his three-point shooting to over 40%. He finished at 38% last season. Dan, we'll start with you on this one. Does Colin Sexton improve his three-point shooting to get to 40% or higher? Oh, I'm all in on this. Um, I, in his last 32 games, I, I believe he was... I think he shot like 44.9% from deep. Uh, I think this year we'll see Colin. Um, I think, he, honestly, he's a guy that obviously fans are going to probably love me saying this because they're all Colin, like all in on him, a lot of them, but is kind of that primary option. I, I'm with him too um, in terms of on ball, but I think we'll kind of see him shoot off movement a little bit this year. We saw glimpses of it. Um, and he had some some success, honestly, leading into the hiatus. He, he's his cutting has really improved, and I think that'll lead to more kind of off ball shooting ability um, that we'll see as well from deep. And I just think with a guy like Windler in there, I, I think we'll see him a fair amount on the floor with Colin. I can't say exactly how much, but I think with that, um, I, I think the playmaking around him will improve, and it'll allow him to have kind of score in a less physically taxing way. And I just think with the his ability on spot ups last year, I believe he was in the seventy six percentile. Um, I think in the in his synergy stats there, um, I, I'm all in on this. Um, just how he closed last year uh, when he had that forty one point explosion, you saw it. Um, I, I don't think he had a ton of them, but um, just with his his pull up shooting ability, with the growth he's had. And the work he puts in, I don't. I think that's. I'd say like forty-two and a half to forty-three is reasonable to me. Amadou, just exactly what Dan said. You know, I'm all in. Also, um, I don't know if you know. I might have to fact check this, but if not for that just horrid December shooting slump, I guess you could say he probably would have been yeah, over forty percent anyway. You know, yeah, he shot so. like eleven percent. Yeah, so I definitely expect him to shoot over forty percent. Um, next season. I'm I'm a little bit more hesitant on this one. I'm going to say 
I'm, I'm going to predict right now that he doesn't finish over 40%. I think he's going to kind of stay in that that high 30s range at, you know, 37 through 39. Again, this is not a knock on Colin Sexton at all, and I, I don't think that the shot's going to regress whatsoever. Again, I think we could see him take more shots off ball, catch and shoot, off movement, you know, less pull-ups maybe. But overall, I, I still – I just don't know if he's going to take another leap with a three-point shot. And again, I, mean, I guess all this time off, guys have had a lot of opportunities to work on just on shooting the ball. So maybe that will come back to prove me wrong. But I, I think that Sexton will – kind of start to level off with that percentage. And I think he'll remain around 38, 39%. And that December slump was, it's a good point as far as, you know, that broadest percentage is way down this year, but maybe we don't see it like that again. But I think that's something that we could definitely not rule out seeing again. So I'm going to go against that take and say that he finishes under 40% from three. Final take, take number 10, prediction number 10. The Cavaliers will win around 30 games. This is assuming, obviously, that we have a need to game season, which nothing is certain yet, but they finished 19-46 this year. Dan, agree with this or don't? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm not, we'll have to see what the over-under will end up being, but I think about 27 is probably what I would say is, is fair. I mean, it's, it's not completely unreasonable. We'll have to see how the, but I just think it hinges a lot on how, I mean, he could feasibly be a trade piece near the deadline, but it kind of hinges on um, Drummond and the other pieces being able to coexist and, and having his production actually lead to winning. And though the advanced metrics were horrible in his, I think he had like an 120 defensive rating, like a, or, yeah, and then, like, the net rating was minus 15. Um, but the Cavs were 4-4, four and four, um, all things considered, when he played. So uh, perhaps it could work for them. But um, – and I think he's he's a really – I mean, I understand TC grew offensively in the last couple of years or so in terms of a post-up game. But um, Drummond is – granted, is a much more formidable interior presence, I think, kind of a better lob threat – in that dunker spot than, um, than Thompson, which I think will help DG um, and Colin and or Porter. But um, again, it's uh, how much is it, it's very hinged upon how much growth are we going to see out of Garland? Um, is, is Windler a guy that can stay healthy? Um, it, this is a fair take, but I just think now I'd probably say 27 is my number, which I mean, I guess isn't a huge difference, but We'll see. We'll see growth. I think for sure. I'm with you on that one. I think thirty might be stretching it a little bit too much. I think that 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 twenty six twenty seven range is more what what I'll go with here as well. And you make a good point. I think a lot of that will depend on one: do they hit on their draft pick or not? I think that'll have a huge impact. If yeah, for sure. he can come in and contribute, then maybe that number gets a little bit higher. But I also I just don't know right now if. Drummond is on this team past the deadline. Honestly, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd, I, right now I might lean towards no. So I'll, I'll pick – I'll stay with you at around 26, 27 games. I don't know if they get to 30. Amadou? Um, yeah, I agree with both you guys. Um, like you guys said, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. 
Will Drummond be on the team past the deadline? How will the lineup look? Also, how will all the guys mesh together? You know, um, I believe the starting lineup of Garland, Sexton, uh, Osman, of course, Love, Drummond, they didn't play much together at all, if any at all. So, of course, they have to gain that chemistry, too. Um, but it's going to depend on, again, who we draft, what we do in free agency, if Thompson is back or not. He'll obviously play a part in that. And how much growth do we see from the young guys? Um, but I'm going to agree with you guys. I see mid to high 20s. Right now, I'll say about 25, 26, 27, like you guys have been saying also. Yeah, and a quick side note. I I, I mean, we'll probably see uh, – it's probably reports again have, have said how love is – I mean, the expectation is he would sit back-to-backs. And there's generally about – Usually, I think like six or seven, give and take, give or take, and honestly, we could have a condensed like timeline. We could see a it, lot more so this year. Yeah, we could see him sit, frankly, like ten games. I, I think, give or take, in that range, ten to eleven, maybe. Um, I, I mean, I'm kind of just spitballing there on that, but that that would factor into it too. I would think. All right, well, that's all we have for this article: ten bold and not so bold predictions for the Cavaliers in 2021. Or 2020-2021. I'll leave a link to that down in the show notes. Before we get out of here, though, there are a couple other notes I want to touch on. With Mike D'Antoni not coming back for the Houston Rockets job, Ty Lue has emerged as another candidate there. Amadou, we'll start with you. Where do you think Ty Lue ends up as a coach? Hmm, this is an interesting one. Um, Personally, I think Ty Lue could end up in Philadelphia. Um, just because I feel like he can establish a defensive prowess, if I said that word correctly, on that team. Um, with Ben Simmons and everything, obviously the Sixers need to make some moves to, you know, better fit Simmons and B together. Uh, but I think Tyloo is going to like what he can do there offensively and defensively. And that's my pick. Dan, how about you? Yeah, I, I second that for Lou. I, I don't think Lou... Um, Considering him as a player, I mean, he was he was a defensive guy by and large. Um, it was big on initiating ball movement, and I understand with the Cavs, it was a lot of ISO ball and that sort of thing, and high pick and roll. But um, I, I just think he'll see the talent that I mean, Philly was I, they were like bipolar this year. I, I mean, at home they were, I, I believe, had the almost best home unbeatable. Record. Yeah. And I just think with the talent they have, uh, I mean, Boston was a tough matchup and, and Simmons not playing didn't help. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with Amadou. I think he'll, he'll he'll be able to establish more accountability there. Um, and that was – the reports were Brett Brown. They were just kind of – it seemed like tuning him out toward the end. And he just – he's more of a – Lou is more of a guy that when the talent is there, it seems like he can really blend it together – well and, and his message really seems to get through to guys and I, I just think his his NBA experience as a player probably helps with that so uh, yeah I just think he'll he, he should probably be able to get through to Simmons and Embiid and uh, I, I think he'll allow them to kind of build more of a kind of gritty culture behind the scenes which I think is what they need yeah I, I'm kind of in agreement with you there as far as him being in Philly I think that's Still the front runner there. Another thing to consider as far as him in Houston, it was reported that Ty Lue's asking for about $7 million a year on his contract, which is well above the average for a coach. 
I'm not sure if Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta wants to pay that much. I think he's kind of cheap, and I mean, maybe they would have done that for D'Antoni. We'll see what D'Antoni ends up getting. But I'm not sure that he's going to want to spend that much on Tyron Luce. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, nothing nothing done yet. The Clippers just lost, so I mean, we'll, we'll probably get some more news as far as what he's doing now. But one more thing I want to touch on. Darius Garland got 14 second-team all-rookie votes. Obviously, neither him nor KPJ got on the team. KPJ did not get a single vote for second-team all-rookie. I I guess I can understand Darius getting some votes, and I, I don't think that either of them deserve to make the team. I think that that's kind of obvious. But Darius with 14 second-team votes and KPJ with none, I'm not sure that that should be the case. I think KPJ should have gotten at least a few Maybe Darius should have gotten a few less. What are your thoughts there? Dan, yeah, we'll go to you. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you say me? Oh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't think either of them honestly should have gotten a vote. Um, I, I Just not that they were so awful, but, uh, I mean, given what the Cavs, what they had to deal with and, and beeline and all that stuff. But just looking at the, the guys that made it, they're, they weren't – more valuable their teams than any of those guys, frankly. I mean, just looking at the totality of the season, but, um, I mean, maybe that's harsh to say, but I just, I wouldn't have done it myself. And a lot of guys, people are probably going to point to like Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis was a, a key rotational player, um, initiated offense. Well, was kind of a bucket getter on a very good team. And, I just that's just, and hero. There's no argument there whatsoever, and I understand it's not all positional driven, but just as as a counter, I, I just I don't think that's I don't, Darius was very fortunate to even get those. Yeah, I, I really don't think that there's a case to put any of like I, I don't think that there's a case that any of them should have made the team. You know, I can understand getting some votes, and you brought up Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis is somebody who I thought might have made first team. All rookie. I thought he might have gotten that. I think Eric Pascal made it on first team. I thought that Terrence Davis might have got it over him. Pascal's deserving as well. But what are your thoughts on that, Amadou? Who should have? Do you think either of them should have gotten any votes, or are you Dan as to they should have neither got any? I wouldn't say any votes. Um, I feel like what the voters look at, looking at KPJ's overall season, obviously his stats don't really pop out. But you can kind of say the same thing for Terrence Davis, even though even though Davis was a great three point shooter. Personally, I don't feel like either of them should have made it. Um, again, Kevin Porter Jr. missed time; that probably played a factor into it. Darius Garland, as a fifth overall pick, maybe wasn't as exciting as a lot of people hoped it would be. So, yeah, I I'm fine with them being left off the rookie teams. Yeah, I I, I don't think. And really, it's it's such a crapshoot when you're looking at second-team all-rookie, especially in a rather thin class like this one. I don't think it's an insult to either of them. Again, I think Darius probably got more votes than he deserved. I thought maybe KPJ could have got a few. But I think we're going to wrap it up there. Again, 10 predictions, bold takes, not-so-bold takes from The Athletic. That link will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Dan and Amadou, for coming on. And uh, we will be back soon. So thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. And just to say a quick note, this is great motivation for both guys. I I think they're going to kill it this year, just for the record. It's a good note to end it on. So, uh, again, subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. And we will see you guys soon.
Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.